Last time on Poldark, we got some bad news. Jim Carter passed away after getting gangrene in prison. And that sent Ross into a drunken bender of a frenzy that took him all the way to this ball where our new friend Sanson was revealed to be a cheater at gambling. And he cleaned out Francis, as you might remember. So now we know that maybe that wasn't an honest way to play the game. However, Captain Blamey's sweetening up to Melza and Ross and his buddies at the Carnmore Copper Company are kicking things into high gear and it's looking like the Warligans may have some competition. So let's see how all that comes to fruition this week in the second to last episode of season one of Poldark on the Lords of Grantham podcast. Again, with the penultimate episode, I believe, of season one of Poldark. That is correct, Dave. Lucky number seven of season one. I don't know if lucky is the right word, Corey, but it is uh, <laughs> day number seven. That is definitely <laughs> not the word for this week. It, it is uh, hard times for everyone, as it goes usually for TV shows, trying to set up for the, the finale, giving you something to you know, wonder about, ponder, mm-hmm. wait with bated breath to see how, how it all wraps up. But before we get to that, Dave, is there anything else we need to talk about? This week? I'll be up front. It's pretty light this week in terms of news going on outside of the world of, uh, you know, going going on with Downton or the Crown or anything else, really. Yeah, I'm going to pop into the Lord of Grantham Lounge on Facebook. I don't think there's anything too new. I feel like our friends and our fans in there are very uh, good about stuff. Keep us on our toes about what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, nothing, nothing too new that we don't know. Uh, well, I mean, we did learn that uh, Pip Torrance is actually the uncle, not the father of George. So you went okay. on that one. <laughs> All right. I'll throw this out there. I know I, I didn't really even ask your uh, your blessing mm-hmm. on this, but a few weeks ago, um, I signed us up as a team for a 5K, a virtual 5K. That is. Oh yeah based out of our hometown of Stratford in honor of uh, Vicky Soto, the teacher who was who lost her life in the Sandy Hook shootings. Mm-hmm. Uh, big deal in our town, but with the COVID still kind of hovering in, in the forefront, it's virtual as well as in person. And I, we did it, we both did it last year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I said let's we make a team for like three or four of our friends why not try to make this some sort of lords of grantham international event so um if you want to sign up i'm going to put the information for that in the info for this pod i think it's like 35 bucks to sign up it's for a really good cause vicky soto foundation and be on the lords of grantham's team for raising money for a good cause i mean we should make a contest out of this dave I mean, Let's do it. And I, I was going to say, I didn't even, for people that have been, you know, like on the fence, you know, I don't really want to do this Patreon. I don't really want to sign up and commit. If you sign up and join our team, you get automatic entry into the Lords of Grantham Lounge. I'm just going to throw that right out there. because <laughs> When we, Facebook is up and running. Facebook is up and running. <laughs> it was down for six hours this week, but yeah. 
But I'm, I just want to put that out there. I know we, we didn't there. even discuss yeah. this as a as a podcast team, perhaps bad planning, but I figured who's going to say no to uh, I mean, something that we're probably we, doing we, anyway. We can give away free merch, potentially, Dave, you know? Yeah, if you sign up for the sign up for the team, you're entered. We'll say that right now. Get a T-shirt, something of the value of a T-shirt, well, maybe a tote or, is a little or, cheaper, more expensive. Make them work for it. Sign up for it. If if you beat my time, how about this? If you beat my time, we'll send you something special. TBD on that. I don't think TBD at all. If you if you beat Corey's time, you're going to get a prize from the Lord of Grant. Regardless. Okay. Well, just on what the prize will be, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm getting my confidence back. It's been a long road, uh, as li- long-time listeners may know. I, I was running some marathons, had a couple setbacks, but I'm on the road to, to being back to the man I was. So, yeah. So, yeah. The, uh, for an automatic incentive is if if you have been thinking about joining the Patreon but don't want to commit, come find out what the mm-hmm. Facebook group is all about by joining. You're yeah. signing up, and then you get to, to burn some calories, get your heart pumping, have some mm-hmm. fun. And yeah. if you beat Corey, which, you know, he, it's he's on the a, table, he's no Rob James Collier, but he's uh, well, <laughs> I haven't done the London Marathon yet to measure myself against him, but yeah, we'll see. But yeah, we'll, we'll post some details and we'll share links on the socials. Uh, but before we get to Pole Dark, the one news I did dig up, Dave is Jim Carter, Carson from Downton Abbey. He will be in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie starring Timothy Chalamet. Is he going to be a grandpa? No word on what role he's playing. Oh, oh this is a prequel, right? This is not It um, is a prequel and it's a musical, I think. And Oh goodness, his voice is so deep. I'm I'm curious to see how Jim Carter sounds when he's singing. I I bet he's got a nice tenor to his voice. And you're sure oh. this is not Jim Carter from Poldark? No, not not a fictional character. This is the actor Jim Carter that I'm talking about. <laughs> all right, all right, that's good to know. Yeah. All right, let's get to this. Pole Dark season one, episode seven. As we do every week, <laughs> this episode starts with a shot of the cliff. You know, the cliffside where, where they are looking out at the water. They There's they no, really no milk gravestone it. for Jim Carter. I looked for it. Still, still MIA since they put it in the ground a couple episodes ago. So, last episode was it? Oh yeah, that's right. I mean, I'm just caught up in the pole dark timeline of, of how things move along here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is not Ross who's riding uh, by the cliff. It is our good old buddy Blamey. It's, it's Benjamin Button. Benjamin Blamey. Yeah. Now, Dave, before we get into the rest of this episode, how did Blamey look to you this episode? Did he look younger, older, right on time? I think he looked the same level of young as he did last episode. Okay. I don't think he got younger nor older. The one thing I noted was there was like a shock of hair that it, that he's dealing with. There was so much hair on his head in this episode. Oh yeah, I, this man is is a lucky boy. To have that much hair on his head. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it just looks like he doesn't know what to do with it though, because like he, he you know he pulls it back clearly into like you know some kind of like you know knot in the back but it just keeps growing larger and larger and it just looks like he has like a raccoon on the top of his head with the amount of hair that's there it just keeps growing the volume there is out of control yeah i mean i'm not going to disagree that is i I can't yeah i can't speak for all sailors but i mean (laughs) man it it must be tough out there for sailors and their hair i don't i don't know uh but he's going to retrieve a letter from a wall yeah uh that is getting left there by, as we see, uh, Demelza. She's still being the the go-between of Verity and uh, 
and Blamey, uh, leaving, you know, delivering love letters to each other, essentially. Mm-hmm. Now, Dave, there's pretty much like three plot lines to this episode. Do we want to just kind of run through this one right now? Yeah, I feel like this is the simplest one, right? Yeah, I mean, what happens next, Dave? Um, Verity leaves. She straight up disappears from the old uh, Poldark mansion. From she's a little runaway. She, she Francis gets out of there. and uh, and Elizabeth's house. She's just gone. She leaves a note saying, "Hey Frank, who gonna stop me, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do Henry. about it? She she is uh, out of there. Francis is really mad. <laughs> he he can't believe that she did this, and, and the, you know it ties into other storylines. But he, he, he yeah, he, <laughs> he's just great, very upset. Another great Francis uh, yelling. Mm-hmm. Francis is um the anti Robert Crawley. Like every time he yells, you're like, oh boy, this guy this guy is a little wussy boy. He's got no business here. I don't know. Every time he yells, I just think he's on the brink. <laughs> like he he is uh, not doing too too well mentally. Oh yeah, um, well, I, mean, yeah I mean, just whenever ta- whenever uh, Robert screams, we're like, oh yeah, something about this is serious. Whenever Francis screams, it is like you said, it's like oh boy, he's, he's one step closer to the edge, and 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 I don't think he's about to break. I think he's kind of a softy. Yeah, I think that's fair, and we'll talk about him more in a moment. But but who yeah, does he, I mean, who does he blame? I mean, do we want? I mean, is there anything else to really ta- tackle with Blamey and Verity on their own? It's, well, we do see that they are they have they have their first dinner, <laughs> where it looks very uh, boring, uh, mm-hmm. very uh, I don't know, reserved uh, is the right word. So, the, the, you know, Verity notes they've only seen each other a dozen times really over the course of knowing each other, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. I, I I I still don't know how to read this Blamey guy. I get an uneasy feeling about him. You know, like seeing them together like this. Okay, yeah, I get it. Like there, there's n- there's not much love there, and you know they talk about how they're going to start the new chapter, and the, it's going to be a new book that, you know, the day after that, you know, th- that they're married and everything, and things will be better. But I don't see it yet. I, I don't see the chemistry between these two. But is that is that the gimmick though? They're both sort of like uh, desperate, like an Edith and Sir Anthony situation. A little bit. Yeah, like he, he he's old. He's just desperate to find anyone, and she's getting older for her age. But there is quite a, a, a gap between the two, especially in the, how they lead their lives. You know, mm-hmm. he he is not a landlubber. He 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 is a man by boat. And uh, but I also get the impression that Verity is just sick of this role she's been stuck in. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm I'm all for it if it means that she is uh, furthering herself. And, and advocating for herself, which clearly she is. Yeah, and, and we'll see where that goes. Um, there, or there's one piece of low-hanging fruit in terms of stories uh, for this episode to tackle is uh, Judd is drunk again. <laughs> this is like literally given like less than five minutes in the episode, but it's very notable. Oh, yeah, he's walking with a barrel back to the house. Mm-hmm. And Ross says, there better be rum left in that when I get home. Like, that's not yours, that's mine. <laughs> yeah. And then we <laughs> smash cut to the baby and Demelza and Prudy mm-hmm. hanging out. And Judd comes crashing through the door like the Kool-Aid man, drunk as a <laughs> he skunk. He, he, he makes a claim that, that Ross has fathered half the children from Truro or whatever. He just he got around with all these women. Yeah, and <laughs> he says outright that 
Jim Carter was not the father of Ginny's baby, but Ross was. And <laughs> right, as he well, says that, it's like like he summoned the Undertaker. Like Ross shows up right behind him. He's like, "What did you What did you say, boy?" <laughs> yeah, he comes bounding through that door, grabs him, you know, by the neck, kind of. Like, I, why is Judd going off on Ross? There's no reason for him to be so so rude, really. I don't because he, he drunk. It, it, he's spiteful, you know. I don't think. From the beginning, Judd is 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 sort of a, a Judd is a, a cranky dud. old man. Okay. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, he's a dud. You saw how the house was when Ross showed up. They were yeah. living in filth. But I mean, there's just no reason for him to, to heal off on, on on Ross when you know the guy's taking him in for so long and giving him work when he would have been fired anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Just well, get off the sauce, bro. <laughs> yeah, and Ross says, "You're you got to be out of here tomorrow, dude." Yeah, or he will personally horsewhip him. <laughs> I mean, I wish that was I, there's a scene no reason to see. I would, I would have watched that. I, there's no reason to not believe that Ross would do that. You know, he's a he's a man of his convictions. Yeah, hold on, hold on one minute. Mm-hmm. Um, how old? What's the age gap between Aiden Turner and Phil Davis, the guy who plays Judd? Uh. Yeah. I would say at least a, a 35 year age gap. Close. 30 almost almost um, uh he's June 83 is Aiden Turner mm-hmm. and yep. Judd is July 53. So I would So just, 30 years. I would just wow. love to watch a scene of a man <laughs> just beating up an old man. That says a lot about you. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's fiction, man. It's fun. Yeah. But I, horse whipping is not—it's not a fun thing to watch. I don't think I wouldn't imagine. He, um, he insulted his honor. That is—that is true. He, he was coming that, in hot that there. Ross went on a five-day bender to mourn. Yeah, and it's funny because if Judd goes, that you know they say that well that means uh, Purdy has to go too. And she's like, I don't think he meant it. I don't, <laughs> you know, he was a little bit drunk. I don't think he really thought Ross was the father of all these children. Uh. And I think Ross is just like liquor or not, man. <laughs> he, he, he disrespected me. He's got got to go. No severance. And, and I, d- I all... didn't think Prudy was going to be given the boot too. Yeah, I mean they're they're pretty tight. And, and Judd is just kind of saying to himself, "It's not right or fair." And Prudy's <laughs> like, "You did this to yourself, Judd. <laughs> what are you talking about?" Yeah, like what are your what did, what job prospects do you have, Judd? Were you going to go work for the Warligans? Well, you can't do that, man. And really, all we see them in the uh, of them in the rest of the episode is like they're sitting on in the hills at one point, watching some other scene go on. Kind of, they're just kind of there. They're going full Statler and Waldorf on us. They're just the old people <laughs> that just are be, just hovering in the background. They'll just be commenting on scene after scene. Uh, Judd and Prudy. I mean, I think that's what we're signing up for, unless they unless the show does something where like Francis kills them next episode. <laughs> I, no I don't. I don't art, think so. It's not on. It's not off the table to have something radical happen. That's true. It, it's funny. I, you know, since we haven't read the books, it, may, it makes me curious. Like, is this just the show being slavish to the events of the book? <laughs> like, it, it just seems so haphazard and unnecessary. Are they just including it because it happened in the book? I, I don't know. It, I, I hope it factors into the plot somehow. But it's it's a bit of a choice uh, to make. <laughs> it is a choice. I don't, I don't know. Like, I I really feel like. Uh, and and you said this is just soap opera speed, but mm-hmm. even with with Jim Carter and this this general pacing, 
they're spending time developing characters just to to shove them out. So I wonder. I mean, something tells me Judd and Prudy are not done. Yeah. But why? Why even include it in this fifty-seven minutes that we have to watch? Mm-hmm. Now, circling back, I, th- I think we can save the the one. <laughs> fun quote-unquote fun plot uh for last let's go get back to francis i think and what's going on there because <laughs> we already touched on it a little bit mm-hmm. but yeah he learns that verity is on the run and she's going to get married and uh yeah who does he blame dave he blames ross he says damn ross because <laughs> who else could have done it and i mean really elizabeth says like that's not going to blame Ross. And he's like, oh, yeah, you always stand up for Ross. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, he, he's like, you know, he helped them before. So, you know, of course this would be what he does. And, and mm-hmm. then we get the classic Francis there. He says, uh, damn Ross, damn this family, damn this pitiful excuse for existence, damn these blisters. <laughs> He still got blisters that, from the last episode. The Aiden Turner's bad at acting like genuinely happy. I think Kyle Soller, the guy who plays Francis, our 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 old neighbor from Bridgeport, Connecticut, not not British, is uh, he's he he's got a tough time playing angry. He Francis really plays it flustered more than anything. When really, like it seems like his world is completely falling apart. And I mean, I guess that would make you flustered, but it doesn't doesn't seem quite as angu- anguished as you'd think it just seems like i don't know it, yeah there's something performative about it mm-hmm. that's how it scans to me yeah i mean he did kind of lose everything so <laughs> i mean he says as much you know um but someone's to, coming to the rescue because because as we noted at the end of the, end of the last episode there's a the cliffhanger that george and his uncle were aware that the tresseders are working with um Ross on this uh, Carnmore uh, mine situation. The smelting company, yeah. Yeah, the smelting company, and you know he he he's talking to them, you know, gauging what what his his stuff is with that. So he's he's still feeling out the situation, and we even see Ross is at the local tavern or whatever, uh, working on agreements and, and contracts. I guess he explains some of his plans to Francis about what he's doing. He tries to yeah. hide some of his papers. Well, one of the first scenes of the sh- of the episode is uh, George talking to one of his investors, who is, must be this uh, Tresseter guy, basically mm-hmm. saying like, "Look, you got debt with me, and I really don't think you should be involving yourself with this uh, copper smelting company because it's not a good look, and I might call on those debts a lot sooner than I than I've been allowing for you to pay them." Mm-hmm. So we find out that. Um, we're already losing investors on the the smelting company. Uh, yeah, it's not it's not going exactly uh, according to plan. Um, but George, you know, he wants to really exert his force on this whole thing because he 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 feels left out, you know, because mm-hmm. as we learn, he comes to visit uh, <laughs> Francis and Elizabeth. He, right they just after have an op- this moment of of hooting and hollering about Ross. I mean, you know, between Ross magically appearing when Judd is going off on him, you know, George happening to walk in uh, after Francis just, you know, admonishes himself, you know, for his pitiful existence. Do, do they just have an open door policy here? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a literal, <coughs> uh, uh, Dr. Dwight walks in 
to an open door later in this episode too. Lots of people just walking indoors. Yeah, it's like who let this George guy in? Um, but he offers assistance. He 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 wants to make right by the name that you know. There's a strong chance that Matthew cheated <laughs> uh, you out of uh, your whole business, uh, Francis. Not going to say that he did, but there's a strong chance that it happened. So he, yeah. he's willing to uh, relieve him of his debts and even give him twelve hundred dollars. It's not like relieve going him of past his debts, just partially relieve him of his partially. Debts. Yeah, it's just you know letting him go past go and monopoly for another round. He'll probably come back and collect later if you land on his property. But he's giving you a couple hundred to get through uh, go. He gives him twelve hundred, twelve hundred guineas. And yeah, Fran- and he's he straight up says to to Francis, he's I did mend your smile after all. Basically saying like I knew I could make your day better. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, at first they were just like, "No, we can't, we can't take this." And then, wait, twelve hundred? Okay, hot diggity damn, we got, we got, we got to take that. Uh, and but then we see that George comes swinging back in later. Well, he, I don't think he ever left because I think he just hangs around with uh, Francis there so to have drinks later. That <laughs> yeah, just that—that that was the thing I kept thinking this episode. Like, does George really want to hang around Francis that long? Anyone who's like a, a sourpuss like that, I only got so much time or patience for. They're hanging out with a dunce. But I guess George has a mission. George is not a um, mm-hmm. George is not a man who 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 walks anywhere without a plan. Yeah, and, and I think at least they can get by in the con- the shared conversation or interest that they have in their distaste for Ross. <laughs> or, and I feel like George, George is definitely giving the eyes to Elizabeth too. Absolutely, he has designs for her because, like, the way he's showing kindness to Francis and everything, it's just like, maybe I'm not that bad of a guy, old Georgie here. He's like a Disney villain. Mm-hmm. Very much so, in a good way. I like George. Um, yeah. As an antagonistic character, um, he's smart, which is always it's always impressive. He's not just like an evil guy, you know, because like we see Thomas Barrow and Down Out all the time, scheming and, and plotting, but usually his schemes aren't all that smart. You know, mm-hmm. buying plaster, leaving the dog in the woods. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you name it. Just go through. You're trying to correct himself. This George guy, he's got a plan, and it seems like he's pretty effective at executing them. Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny. They're talking later. There's a scene with them at the fire just drinking, putting down some booze. Mm-hmm. And George straight up brings up this, like, why does Ross got to be like Ross? And then is it George is like, well, maybe because you married his, like, high school sweetheart, dude. Like, you ever think about that? Yeah, Francis is like, no, it's definitely not that. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's that was forever ago. That was that was years ago. Years and years ago. Years and years and years ago. Doth uh, protect uh, protest too much, uh, Francis. <laughs> and George is like, I don't know, bro. Are you serious? Yeah, dude. Come on, man. <laughs> but then they, uh, they keep on putting back these be- these beverages, mm-hmm. and George is like, who's involved with this smelting company? And earlier in this episode, we, we touched on it briefly, George, Ross is talking to, to Francis, and he basically says, like, look, I know I don't have your money, mm-hmm. and I know you don't want to be involved, but I'm glad to know that as family we have each other's trust, and the, the trust is bond. Yeah. And after, like, a couple, two, three shots of whiskey, Francis straight up gives George the entire list of people involved with, mm-hmm. with the, the Carnmore, right? Carnmore Copper Company? Yeah. Yep, they're just trying to make a, a tongue twister there. Uh, but it's funny though, because like in the scene, I think you can see the difference in the quality of acting uh, between this uh, Jack Farthing guy as as George and and Francis, because like, you know, when he's complaining about Ross and how much he dislikes him, 
he seems genuine. He literally, I think he actually, like, you know, he plays that, I think, right, where it's like, he can literally just, you know, BS with this Francis guy because he legitimately doesn't like Ross. But mm-hmm. you see, like, a f- small, like, switch go off when he's, like, trying to get information out of Francis, you know, asking him about, like, what's going on with that smelting company. And it, it, it's, you know, the sm- a small tweak, but it just, it works. It, it shows, like, why this guy's It's intent. He's a good actor. He's really good. I guess Bridgeport doesn't produce the greatest actors. Yeah. Neither of us hit it off. I don't think we tried much, really. So, well, Kyle, we we need you on this podcast to discuss this. We still love. Yeah, it. And, and and even you know, again, we we on this episode or, or in the scene, we hear him say, "Damn Ross, damn his scheming." It's just so over the top. Um, married his sister to a wife beater. Why should he care about him? In fairness, I, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. I mean, aside from having a wrong assumption, he, he, you know, his idea at that moment isn't wrong. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, he lists off every single name to Georgia, the investors in the company, which had me wondering, though, like, when he meets up with Ross at the beginning of this episode, Francis, he he, he only briefly sees maybe whatever document is there in front of Ross. He doesn't, well, he, Ross is a good job. first meeting, remember, when, the, when they're discussing the oh. company. That's right. And he's like, I from, can't from do this. Ago. I don't have the money, but I wish you all the best. What a what a jackass. Uh, yeah, and you know, George knows what to do now. And, yeah, and and then Ross goes to visit Francis. Yeah. Later on in the episode, they have a meeting face to face. Right, because cause, well, what happens? What's the sequence of events there that leads him back there? Isn't it? Yeah, why does he show up there? I'm, I forget exactly what brings. Is it? Is it? I think it, it's. Some, isn't it? What's going on with Verity, or is it something else? Is it? Oh the, yeah, no he. I, no, it's not. It's not because of Verity. I think he. Ah, I'm just going through my notes here. Either way, this whole episode is a, is a domino effect of things affecting each other. So. Ross winds mm-hmm. up at the mansion, and he's like, "France." Oh, I think it's because of th- is it after or before the meeting? The meeting comes last. The meeting is is okay. So the meeting already happens, or all this stuff is going on. Ross mm-hmm. shows up to talk to Francis about something or other. We forget what as <laughs> as a bad podcast host right now. But he's there, and and Francis is like, I don't want anything to do with you. Oh no, no, he does. No, no. <laughs> sorry, listeners, but yeah, Ross goes to see Francis because he knows that Verity married Blamey, so he needs to to talk that over with him. Mm-hmm. And what he's unprepared for is Francis accusing him of being the reason for it. That's what it is. Yeah, because Ross is like, dude, last time, like, I did that once, because because Verity's mm-hmm. my cousin too. But you almost died, and you're like a brother to me. Yeah, and, cousin. And, <laughs> Francis is like, get out of here, man. I don't want nothing to do with you. Yeah, you're, you're the reason why they got married. <laughs> and Ross is like, pardon me? Why would I want them to get married? Come on. I think uh, Kyle Soller is very petty. He does a great job of playing yeah. petty, where I think these two, uh, Aiden Turner and Kyle Soller, are, are very good yin and yang, where mm-hmm. Ross is always very proud and he is yeah. truly surprised at the idea that he that Francis would accuse him. Like he, he always holds Francis in this regard that like he will always have the family's best interest. 
Mm-hmm. No, Francis is petty, man. Like he's changed. Uh, he's a dummy. Um, and so yeah, Francis does not believe him in, in the moment there, and it takes Demelza showing up later this episode, talking to to Francis to tell him like, no, it was me who, who set them up. I, I made sure that it happened. Where you see the look across his face of like, oh no, I made a terrible mistake. <laughs> I, I I I completely was wrong. I'm still mad. <laughs> But mm-hmm. I, I was actually maybe wrong, and then we see the results of that with the meeting with um, you know the investors in the the Conmore Copper Company, saying that the Warligans are freezing their loans uh, and that yeah, they can't call- collect. Yeah, they're 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 well, the Warligans are collecting, so the the investors don't have any money anymore to invest. Yeah. So, basically, and then and then we see the scene where Ross talks to to Demelza, where it's like. My whole life has fallen apart in front of me, and it's ultimately mm-hmm. because you did this thing. Yeah, you, and you, you just it's had to ex- have them married. It's extreme, but it's not entirely wrong because one of the reasons that Francis is so willing to get lit up with, with George is because he's so upset about Verity, and he mm-hmm. gives everything away because he, he is so angry at Ross with this wild assumption. Granted, Francis is in the wrong as well. But it's definitely a contributing factor to why this is all falling apart. But it's also a little bit of the pot calling kettle black where, where uh, Ross is just like, how could you have been so reckless and, and, you know, ruin all this? And it's just like, Ross, look in the mirror. You are even more reckless than Demelza, okay? She was just doing a favor for, like, your cousin-in-law. And you're a dude who literally breaks people out of jail, helps... Spoiler alert, convicts escape, you know? Like, who the hell are you to call Demelza someone who's, like, you know, all over the place with her decisions, okay? Uh, it's, a, it's a little bit, Ross like, is, Ross take a is a little back. bit more discreet covering his tracks. And I think Ross's pride is always very much at the forefront. Where Dem- I think there is still a gender role situation where all of Demelza's decisions wind up affecting Ross. So, again, like... You- it is exactly what you said is like true. his decisions wouldn't affect her though like if he ends up going to jail for all his misdeeds if just in and it doesn't matter what he says it's society whatever she does is like a copy paste onto his resume okay yeah well i mean that that's pretty much where, where they leave that by the end of the episode is uh you know him telling uh demelza that you know they're gonna be she's gonna be unhappy for a long time yeah, but you know who's not going to be unhappy for a long time is Karen. <laughs> no, not not too long at all. Oh boy. Um, yeah, where do we start with this, Dave? So Mark does not like Doctor Dwight Ennis. Right. And he Cause thinks because we see Karen is not like cooking for him, mm-hmm. and. He, she's like, I'm too busy helping the doctor. And he's like, come on, what's with this doctor? Yeah, well, why do you keep seeing him? And she's like, because he's doing good things. I have to help him. You know, She's proud to serve him, is what she says. He, he can't grasp that. I mean, understandably, like, she should be at home being his wife, as, as was the case back then. And, In their one-room house. Yep. Yeah. I mean, she didn't have time to make him dinner. It's just like another piece of bread, essentially, that she's serving him. Mm-hmm. And he's not thrilled about it. And when the doctor's oh. sort of helping all the people at the mine, he says no. He says, that, you know, I'm not going near that guy. That guy's a, he's trying to wreck my home. Mm-hmm. 
and you know he he's like complaining too because he's like you know i've been up all hours mending this roof here you know <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I i need some attention it's like aren't and you gonna help me she's just like not a, not at all yeah, so zero interest in that goes back to that ennis uh he's like working on a heart it looks like or something like that yeah he's just like playing <laughs> with an organ like where'd you, where'd you get that heart dude yeah and karen is you know making the commons pretty strong she has a thirst for learning mm-hmm. uh wants to know more about medicines and she pretty much like plants one on him she, yeah, she, she goes in for that says, kiss she goes in and, and he's like hey we got to stop this mm-hmm. and she's like why don't you tell me when to stop yeah and then we see that uh mark gets home from work and he's like karen where are you karen right because there's explosion at the mine yep <laughs> which is never good for business and it's not really remarked upon later in the episode at all but yeah, there people got hurt and stuff, and um, Mark is just out there wandering uh, for a few hours because uh, you know work is shut down for the day, I guess. And we see that he is uh, sort of weeping outside of the doctor's house as uh, Karen sneaks home. Yeah, I mean, isn't he he there when she gets home? Yeah, he she she's there because he's like, "Where you been for the past three hours?" So she says, well, "How long have you been with the doctor?" And he she said. Oh, like an hour, and he said, "Oh yeah." He said, "Well, I was waiting outside his door for three. He said, "I, was, I watched all the first Lord of the Rings movie on my iPad." It sounds like a, a Jerry Springer episode where, like, I remember was the the woman revealed to her husband that he she had been cheating on him, and he was like, "I know. I've been watching the whole time with my friends." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> that was Jerry Springer back in the day, but uh, not too different from what's going on here, where, where Mark is like, "I know you've been cheating." I, I I've been hearing, but she only listening. really she only cheated once, right? It was it was just a, a a one-off thing, and yeah, he confronts her. You know, he he was like, I I know what you do been doing, and I her acting in the scene, I, I get that she has to play like you know you know incredulous like how could how dare you accuse me? But the way she says what is just like so. I don't know, over the top. <laughs> it, it's like, oh man, not the not the greatest acting here. No, she's not a, uh, not great, not great. Yeah, uh, I, I can see why, like you know, a little bit why maybe there was a a bit of a lull in her career leading her to get to Bridgerton after a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so she, but um, but just got her back blown out, and now she's with Mark, and what does he do to her, Dave? He repeats it. <laughs> Except he gives in her bear hug, the, and it's the most <laughs> like, um, what's the Lenny and George? Where he, yeah, I I said the same. I have in my notes of mice and men. He he of mice and menzer, because um, it starts out where she actually attacks him. She, she gets the first punches in on him. He he doesn't want to attack her. She, she just doesn't want to you know hear about because he's like, what was it? She said you never loved me enough, and he's like what do you mean? All I've ever done is love you. And like, you kind of believe George because, or, or Mark, because it's just like, you can, you see it in every scene with her. He's always trying to like, you know, be there for her and care for her. And she just starts attacking him. And then he's like, stop. He, he, and then he does the old Lenny thing, you know, from a mice and men where he grabs her around the back and then just breaks the back. Yeah. He puts her in a bear hug. Like the Mark Henry. That's yeah, what they should call him not Mark Daniel. Mark, the world's strongest man. Mark, Mark Daniel. Mark Henry. 
And that is it for Karen. And it's Rest straight up like uh, Mice and Men because he's like holding her. He's like, yeah. wake up. Wake up. Yeah. Yeah. He's a dummy. Um, but then he bolts. He books it. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know what you do in that situation exactly. Of course, he's probably panicked and everything. Uh, Mr. Ennis comes to check on uh, what's going on. Dr. because Ennis. Dr. Ennis. Because uh, he wants to apologize you know, he he wants to you know explain what happened and what went down. He's but as, as you, kill. yeah, and as you said, Dave, the door is just unlocked. And he opens. He's like, "Oh God, come on, man, man." And uh, so yeah, Mark is on on the run. Uh, Ross is asking around, like, "Where is this guy?" He even uh, was it talks to his brother Paul, uh, mm-hmm. and he's like, "You know, I think he's in serious trouble, man. What are we, what are we going to do here?" Ross even says like he's known Mark since he was a boy mm-hmm. and uh, you know he doesn't want to see him get hurt no and and I think everyone sort of knows the narrative here yeah Mark yeah. thinks he should get hung he deserves it he, he killed his wife which yes you do deserve to get hung um, he ain't he, but he ain't safe and so R- Ross is conflicted because you know, mm-hmm. they they bring up like I, I believe it's it's um, Mark's brother. Straight mm-hmm. up says to Ross, he's like, "Hey, if they want to put him in prison, remember Jim Carter? Like, remember what happened there?" Yeah. So Ross is conflicted, and then Ross's old uh, army buddy shows up at the house after Ross is is helped Mark is no, after. Or before, what's the timeline? Uh, here? He's just starting. He's start, starting to make plans of you know how to get him out of there. He's he's prepped mm-hmm. like a, a boat at the cove that he's going to try and get him out later. But yeah, yeah. So yeah. then there's like a knock on the door, and it's it's old Mutton Chops, his mm-hmm. Ross's old buddy from uh, Captain Captain Henshaw, or is it another Captain McNeil? He's Irish, it seems like, or Scottish. One one of those. He's got a thick mustache. Yeah, very thick some, mustache and some side chops. <laughs> uh, and and he's like, hey, what's going on? You know, we're old buddies. We just want to talk, right? He's like, but what do you know about uh, what do you know about this guy? Mm-hmm. And he goes, I'm looking for smugglers, but I'm also looking for that murderer. And Ross is like, well, you you know, you you can keep looking for that, but how about some brandy, huh? You like to drink? You like to get liquored up? And uh, you know, the guy's like, yeah, I'm good. There's there's nothing here. Clearly, Rob Ross mm-hmm. is a stand up individual. <laughs> But and then Demel's is like, "You did a good job," and Ross is like, "No, no, no. He knows what's he knows something is afoot." Yep. And smash cut to, uh, was it? Doctor Dwight shows up at Demel's house while Ross is talking to to Francis, and he's like, "Look, I gotta hang. I don't know what to do. I need to talk to mm-hmm. Ross." And she's like, "He's not here. Hang out." Yep. And she's hanging out. He's hanging out for all five minutes. Mm-hmm. There's another knock on the door, and Demel's is like, "This is controversy waiting to happen because you're already persona non grata for this little mining town." Yep. And who's at the door? But but old Mark. <laughs> and he basically <laughs> the says one guy who who said like, I, "I should not see this Ennis fella, or I'm gonna really just like assault him." <laughs> and uh, he's showing up with his brother, and he's like, "Look, yeah. Ross said he'd help us. We have nowhere to go." There's a mm-hmm. bunch of redcoats trying to k- kill us because I am a murderer who deserves to be killed. Yep. And, and uh, Demel's is trying to hide Ennis or make him s- stay away before mm-hmm. he shows up, but then Ennis walks in and he's like, 
oh, what? <laughs> and, uh, I mean, pretty much Mark is like, let me take a swing at him. Let me take a swing on him. Come on. <laughs> let me, let me and punch him. And is this when, like, Ross again has his Undertaker, like, pop, the lights the lights go out and come back on and he's there? No, no, no. I think Demelza keeps, keeps him apart. And then we see mm-hmm. her sitting on the footstep with, like, oh, and then she, uh, hugs, a, she gives Ross a big old hug when he comes back. And she's like, she has, like, an iron, an iron poking rod uh, on her. She's, like, ready to, like, beat someone up if they're to. Oh, I would be, too. There's a, she's, she's acting as a peer mediator right there. Yeah, I'm just wondering where's Garrick at, you know? Sick him Garrick on Garrick shows up in this episode. Garrick is an old dog. It's hard to recognize him. Um, looks like a different dog. I, I don't know. Uh, well, Ross is like, okay, well, we need to get this Mark guy out of here. Good, good thing keeping the peace there. So this is the the strangest part of the episode is that Ross decides to go with them to his boat. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> like, why you got to do that, Ross? You don't need hey, to go. Probably- doesn't doesn't want him to get lost, I guess. You know, I don't know. His old commanding officer is 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 leading the hunt. Look, he he's just he he knows he can get away with this, and uh, I mean they almost Does they he? almost do because then but then uh, Mark is like I want to turn myself in, and he makes a sound. Then, duh, that that sends the the soldiers in their direction <laughs> um, mm-hmm. a little bit. And then there's that classic action movie scene where we see Ross and Mark like hands up, and then we hear a gun go off. And mm-hmm. then Paul is the one who kills one of the just, soldiers. And it happens so fast. He literally just guns down a soldier, and then they're just running away. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean Ross is a veteran who saw combat, so he's, this isn't the first death he's ever seen. At the same time, Ross is supposed to be a stand-up guy. They just let an innocent man die <laughs> to again. So they, he, this guy killed his wife, and now this innocent soldier is more than likely dead just to help this Mark guy get away to Ireland or Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see... Uh, they're going down to the boat, and another British mm-hmm. soldier comes up, and Ross clocks him in the face. Yeah, he, he gives him a strong punch. That's the knockout uh, kid, Ross. He's he's swinging. Yeah, and they they get Mark on the boat, and he he gets out of there. He he's paddling. He doesn't look like he knows how to paddle, but he's paddling. Uh, <laughs> you best believe that's paddling. And mm-hmm. and then Ross goes home and and mm-hmm. gets in his pajamas. Right, it's funny when when he says to to uh, Demelza like take these clothes. I'm I'm almost like wondering like is this, does this mean he's going to strip down again? Are we going are we going to see the abs and everything just because? <laughs> but no, and he doesn't go see, that far. We see yeah, because Captain McNeil shows up and he's like, Mark took your boat, man. And he's like, really? And he's like, mm-hmm. how come you're not more upset that he took your boat? And then uh, Ross is like, I don't I don't care. You know, like what difference does it make if I'm upset? Which I but, think is the Ross, ultimate ultimate has, Ross thing where he's like why should I have emotions yeah why should I care uh, but he has a, a bit of a bloody uh, bloody knuckle uh, mm-hmm. that when his army friend shakes his hand and, and sees that he's like where'd you get that he's like oh a uh, rabbit trap yeah good old rabbit trap and, and the guy is just like I know what you did man and he, said, he says have a care for the law it's a cranky twisty old thing and, and I do think this is sort of I think we'll see next week. Ross is a uh, Ross has some explaining to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, this guy seems a little bit too chummy considering one of his soldiers just got shot. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, I would be a little bit more uh, upset o- over that. Um, but I, I just feel like the way Ross keeps getting away with everything, the chicken's got to come home to roost. Like I, I started thinking of like, is this going to turn into like the Seinfeld finale where he's just in court and then everyone like <laughs> just comes out with their stories against Ross and what he's done? I was going to say, is this like Mr. Bates? But Mr. Bates didn't do anything. Ross has done things. 
Oh, he's absolutely. You know, the, uh, the criminal. law is definitely not on um, on his side. Absolutely not. And yeah, so Mark got away, <laughs> and that is more or less the episode. Yeah, the episode we we see the meeting where everyone sort of fesses up, and then the mm-hmm. Demelza confession, and uh, yeah, that's really it. So yeah, that's, that's the that's episode. All. This was a good episode, Dave. It was wild. <laughs> it is this, this just is a, this is a, this is a one flake of snow that's turning into an avalanche very quickly. It's just Ross can't get out of his own way, uh, you know. Really, like, and, and nor can the other people who who are around him and revolving around him. They're all just kind of like making mistake after mistake, except for you know one fellow who keeps cleaning up, George. Mm-hmm. You know, so so we'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens next week. So, do we want to get to these power rankings, Corey? Absolutely. Who do you have going down? I got the Car- Carnmore investors. <laughs> they are just, you know, SOL uh, on their luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully they can get their money back and, and you know, <laughs> invest in other stuff. But not not good times for them. No. They got the short end of the stick. Well, at number three going down, I got Judd and Prudy because uh, more mm-hmm. Prudy than Judd. But y'all got, you know, lost your job. You got fired. Sure. Well, at number two, I got Karen. Uh she she she's dead and uh, it sucks. Got hardly got to, got to know you. Grand I, opening, yeah. grand closing. <laughs> right. What, what? Not not a big fan of her whole character arc, which is uh, falls for this guy, isn't interested in him, cheats and then dies. Like, oh, man, that's not a. Come on, writers, you you can you can make someone more interesting than that. Yeah, and for for that reason, I have Mark at number two because I feel okay. like Karen is is put there as a prop more than as a human. Yeah, and uh, Mark is is meant to be, I think, this sort of lumbering, well-intended Oof. but but uh, simple-minded man, mm-hmm. and it come it, it blows up in his face that yeah you can't do it. Yeah, uh, well, number one going down, I got Judd. This guy literally okay, had no- one. <laughs> He, he he put himself in this situation. He did not have to have this happen. He did not have to lose his job, but he he did it anyways. Like how how there's there's people dying and there's like huge implications for investing company in this this uh, minimum wage custodian losing his job as as the because worst he went far and above out of his way to lose his job and to just be rude to his friend Ross like. <laughs> Man, you you can't really dig yourself a a deeper hole, uh, honestly. If you think like famous fictional like butlers and servants, you think of like Alfred from Batman. These sort of patriarchal (laughs) figures who are like noble people that are always looking out for their masters as a father figure. And and Mm. Judd is like, Nah, man, you knocked up that dead guy's (laughs) wife. (laughs) Wow, when you put it like that, man, like I feel even more vindicated that Judd is number one going down. Like he just didn't have to say those things. Well, going down at number one, I think Ross and Demelza both stepping at big this week. It's a tie. Okay. Oh, so Karen's not even on your list. No, she doesn't. She doesn't make the cut. All right. She, you know, her back breaks. That's it. My heart didn't break for her. Um. It's a, well, who's, it's a terrible week for Ross and Demelza. Ross is yeah. sort of George put him in checkmate, and then De, and we find out that even if Ross is being hypocritical by calling out Demelza, she's getting herself involved in in something that she shouldn't really be involved in. Yeah. And 
it's a terrible like the episode ends where you're like oh no these two are are in trouble like they're the, cornwall is not going to be big fans of, of ross and demelza poldark yeah well dave who is going up for you well i know he's got a little bit of work to do and a little bit of conscious cleaning mm-hmm. but dr dwight gets laid <laughs> come on man <laughs> I, uh, I don't know about that <laughs> okay well he never doesn't th- get laid <laughs> Yeah, I mean that does happen. Doesn't mean like it, it's a great thing for him. He doesn't seem happy this about it. This is not a good episode for many characters. So you gotta- All right. Well, number three, I got Mark. The man escapes. Okay, he he gets away with his life. I mean, he may not be happy and stuff, but who knew? Who who would have guessed that he would actually would have made it out of there? Okay. And I got a feeling this isn't the last time we're gonna see Mark. I mean, I kind of want him to see him get his come up. Uh, you know, pay pay the toll for his his crime yeah yeah i so i mean it's just a weird thing where like this entire story exists to kind of flesh out this mark character but now it's like well he's on the lamb don't know if we'll see him again and it's we like well then what was Jim the whole Carter point of this to die in jail <laughs> yeah what was the well we didn't we didn't, they didn't spend too much time on this as much as this, this mark character but what do you mean this was a whole subplot of him poaching Right, sick. but that was like one episode. This is like a three-episode arc where we've even seen him in prior episodes. I feel like I, it's negligible screen time. Sure. Uh, well, who's number two, Dave? It's another tie. It's Verity and Blamey. They, they, it's a good good week. For, they get married. They're sort of to the side of the drama. By yeah. removing herself from her family's house, Verity's no longer involved in Francis's nonsense. Mm-hmm. So it's good for her. Well, number two, I got George. The guy gets away with all the names and, and exerts his uh, his force on the Carnmore Copper Company. Well, I got George at number one because he's Well, he's I got Blamey and Verity at number one. They, they just got away scot-free from all the drama this week, and to boot, they made Francis get real hot. So, kudos to them. George. George has the scene where he's with, with Uncle Kerry. Like, hey, dude, we did it, bro. <laughs> yeah. It's our time now. Yeah. I mean, at the same time... I mean, George didn't have to work too hard to make that happen. <laughs> Francis was ready he, to give it he, up. He executed. I guess you know it, it is. It is like a one-two punch of who had the best week. Everybody else had a varying levels of a bad week. Yeah, I mean, nothing's going to stop Blamey and Verity now, right? I mean, they they made it. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing at all. Then then you know wherever they are, they're just on their boat sailing away. Then Mark just rolls up like, hey. Like I need help, man. <laughs> yeah. And then he kills another person, and he goes on the run again, and that's going mm. to be the next season of Bulldog, right? That's, that's exactly line, what's going yeah. to happen. Well, yeah. This wasn't even in the season. Any predictions for the finale, Dave? Honestly, I don't want to make any predictions for the show. I don't know. I, I feel like I thought the show every, is I, all, all over the map every week, so I can't even begin to think about where this could go next week. Mm-hmm. Something about the the mine uh, probably closing for good or something. Who knows? I feel like we're going to get some, I think it, I don't think it's going to end. Season one is not going to end well for Ross and Demelza. I don't think. Yeah. I don't don't think so either. Knowing we have what, four more? Is this five season show? Yeah, it's a five season show. So I feel like we can afford to end season one on, on a, a Empire Strikes Back note. I think that's fair. Yeah. Well, Dave, have you been watching anything other other than Poldark? One thing. I'm, I'm running to the finish line. The movie, Many Saints of Newark, came out last weekend. I have seven episodes left of The Sopranos to watch. So that's all. literally all go. I've been watching. Well, we'll check in next week, and hopefully you've, you've wrapped it up. Well, I think I'm going to see the movie in the theaters this weekend. So 
I will have okay. seen it regardless, but I'm trying to... I heard that it's there's not spoilers, but there's some contextual things that are a little more fruitful if you've seen it. The okay. whole thing. So I probably won't gotcha. finish by Friday or Saturday. Best of luck. What about <laughs> you? What have you been watching? Uh, I mean, it's the most watched show on Netflix and in the world right now, The Squid Game. Everyone's mm-hmm. talking about it, and I just had to, to tune in to see what it was about. Uh, and I've actually I watched all of it. I watched all nine episodes. I, I, I'm not a binger. But I put on episode six last night, and then I was like, I need to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. Watch episode seven. Then I saw like episode eight was a half hour. And then I was like, well, I might as well watch the finale now. And then within a matter of days, I've watched the entire series, and it's it's really good. Uh, it is shocking to me that it is so widely watched as it is right now because it is intensely, unflinchingly violent, and, and not like in a like, you know comical way because I, I described it to you over the weekend Dave and you were saying like oh is it like the boys violence like no that, that's like over the top this is like ow ah nah it like it, it, it's really hard to watch uh, okay many Noted. scenes it, 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 like there's some episodes where you don't want to binge the next one because it's like I, I just need to sit you with just, that for you, a while you feel a little empty for a minute it's so it's so intense man it's so heavy I can't understand how so many people are watching the show because it is just that much intensity going on um yeah but that's it but that's all you watch the whole show <laughs> it's I recommend it it's great and uh one of the things that threw me for a loop is one they they get like some pretty famous Korean actors in there and there's one guy who's in the first episode uh Gong Yu and I looked up this guy He's super jacked up. He's like really ripped in real life. And then on his Wikipedia, it says he's related to Confucius, the philosopher. And I was like, man, some people have all the luck to be <laughs> to be jacked, famous, and then related to Confucius. We, we just can't compete out here. And, uh, hey, well, here we are. We're competing. We're, we're showing up. <laughs> that's my takeaway. Uh, but yeah, recommend that show if people haven't watched it and have a, a strong stomach for, for violence. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. that's our audience, right? They love Downton Abbey and other things. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But uh, that pretty much wraps it up. Yeah, next and week we... Um, wrap this up. We're wrapping this up, and then we'll do a little breakdown of season one. I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about. Yeah. And it's maybe. already the middle of October. Holy moly. We we were, like, trying to pace how we were going to do Poldark. Because I think after The Crown, we're a little... Tread lightly on what we're going to tell yeah. people because... Who knows if we're gonna fall in love with this stuff? I think and I think we need to, to, to look. Yeah, we need to look at our calendars and start planning accordingly how we uh, approach a pull dark and then some other stuff coming soon. So yeah, I mean you you guys know what's coming St. Patrick's Day. Just more more so, doubt and stuff next so we year. Need to, obviously, we need to anticipate that and mm-hmm. you know the inevitable wave of new fans who discover the podcast as they binge down and leading up to movie two. Hopefully. Well, it almost sounds boisterous there, Dave, when you say we're just going to get fans. <laughs> hey, Dad, yeah, of course the snowball rolls, man. We're like Poldark. Hopefully that is true. And I want to, I want to just throw this out there. A little thanks to a, if yeah. anyone is listening to this right now who saw my post on the Poldark subreddit, um, mm-hmm. big shout out. Thank you for checking us out. Um, well, thank you. Fun yeah, little thing. I, I appreciate it. I, Got super involved with the Downton subreddit when we first started the podcast a couple of years ago because we there's no spoiling Downton for us. But yeah. Poldark, I was a little worried because there is spoiling Poldark for us. So 
I, yeah. I, I closed my eyes and typed a message and said, this is what we do. So if you're here from the Reddit. And what, was your message entirely incomprehensible? It wasn't in It was in just the link with, with just uh, some words spelled correctly, some not. Mm-hmm. But either way, thank you if that's if that's you. Otherwise, thanks for listening anyway. Yeah. And, yeah, beyond that, you know where to find us, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We have a website on Podbean, and then you can leave us rating or review. And we still have merch on Team Merch, and we're looking to add to that soon. Yeah, and uh, you know the drill. It's everything we said before, 5K. Yeah. Fan art. Yeah. Reviews. Yeah. And otherwise, you can find us next week here on the Lord's Grantham Podcast. All right. Yeah.